Hello, and welcome to the Wild Heart Meditation Center podcast. We release these episodes every week on Wednesday mornings, and the best way to support us is by clicking subscribe and taking a moment to rate the podcast wherever you are listening. If you'd like to support our efforts to keep the nonprofit Meditation Center open in Nashville, you can donate via Venmo by sending your donation to at Wild Heart Nashville, or you can make a donation through our website, wildheartmeditationcenter.org, by clicking the Donate tab. Peace and love. Hope you enjoy. I'd like to start with a reflection, just a silent reflection, and just looking inward in whatever way that sees fit for you, and just contemplating these questions. What aspects of yourself do you feel are unworthy of your love and acceptance? Are there thoughts, feelings, or emotions that you attempt to banish, reject, or starve out? Do you assert excessive pressure to fix, manage, or control yourself or the people around you? And what painful realities are you trying to avoid? And on the other end, let's consider this. What would it be like to radically accept all aspects of yourself? What would it be like to end the internal violence and simply allow any painful experience to live? What would it be like if you could completely love yourself, and I mean completely, everything, showing love for the joys and the sorrows, showing love for the compliments and the hate in your mind, showing love for the pleasure and the pain inside of you? What would that be like? And this contemplation is tonight's topic, radical acceptance. This is a way of embracing life directly, that we can shift from resistance to recognition. We can shift from avoiding to allowing. We can shift from dismissing to investigating. And we can bring a nurturing heart to all experience. Even the pain, even, like I said, the hate in your mind, even the disappointments you experience. And this radical acceptance, this container, all of it is worthy of love. And so that's our mission for tonight. How many of y'all have heard of or practiced radical acceptance before? Yeah, a few of y'all. I got to give props, though. So radical acceptance is something in this community that more often I hear about from Tara Brock in her book, uh, Radical Acceptance. And originally, radical acceptance was first coined by Marshall Linehan, who developed uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. And Marshall Linehan was looking for some way of looking, helping her clients, uh, working with a lot of resistance in her clients, and she became curious on how to help these resistant clients. And so what she did, like, like uh, many of us do, she went on 
a meditation retreat. And she took a two-month, straight up, two-month meditation retreat. She went to go live at a Buddhist monastery with this, you know, concern for her clients. And when she was there, it, she said within two days, she was like, I know exactly what my clients need. You ever have those moments on retreat and you have those, ah, those aha moments. That's it. When insight like smacks you across the face, I can only imagine that's what she's going through. And the insight she gained was acceptance. That's what my clients need is this amount of acceptance that's happening in this Buddhist monastery. And so this acceptance, while it may have smacked her across the face, it's, it comes from a challenge. And so on retreats, this is what she reflected on, and I've had the exact same experiences as her. She would go on these retreats, and they would do this very organized schedule. And every morning, they would have a period of working meditation. And if you've been through working meditation, the way we do it is the teacher assigns you working meditation. And you may be uh, opening up to the practice right at the beginning when you're assigned working meditation because often what happens is, oh, I got to work in the kitchen. I really wanted to work in the garden. Or, oh, I wanted to sweep instead of cleaning the toilets. And this is where her practice was unfolding. Setting aside preferences and embracing and accepting whatever job she got. And so in this particular story, she got a job sweeping leaves. And as she was sweeping leaves, and I've been through this exact same experience because I know what she's feeling. As she was sweeping the leaves, she's going through and you know, trying really hard to make this monastery look really good. And as she's going through this task, bing, the bell rings. It's time to go back to the meditation. And she's like, but I'm not done. There's all these leaves over here. And nope. Got to go to the meditation. And it's like, okay, I even have to accept that I didn't complete my task. And that brought up something in her, is that idea of just letting go and allowing and accepting that there is a craving for, it, for completing this task. So she's like, yeah, I got to embrace and accept that's my job. I got to embrace and accept that I didn't finish. And I also got to embrace and accept that it feels a certain way that I, I, I feel this drive to complete the task so I can be a good yogi on the meditation retreat. And that's kind of what the challenge is on these retreats. And then she took this retreat work and brought it back out into the world. But I want to quote her as one of the things she said about this particular situation. She says, it was really the practice of letting go and having to have what you wanted at any moment and recognize that you didn't always have to have what you wanted. <laughs> Letting to go of having to have. And then also acknowledging that, that it isn't a crisis. When things don't go your way, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It's okay that we don't get what we want sometimes. And, you know, it sounds like a terrible time, but honestly, it's in these challenging moments is when we get the, uh, the riches of insight. And she developed this insight and, and then came into this practice of radical acceptance from this aha moment on retreat. So I think that's quite rad. So I wanted to share that story with you. 
And then she developed dialectical behavioral therapy around these practices of mindfulness and radical acceptance. So what is radical acceptance? We talk about acceptance, right? Acceptance is a way to set aside the overly uh, controlling, the overly need for things to be a certain way, sure. But then on the other hand of this is, why is it so radical? <laughs> What's so radical about acceptance, right? I do think it is a little bit of a marketing thing. Like, that does sound cool, right? Radical acceptance, right? I grew up in the, like, 80s and 90s with the Ninja Turtles where everything was, like, radical, right? But uh, this definition of the term radical means far beyond norms, far beyond norms. So what, this acceptance is far beyond the norm of acceptance. So our norm in this life it's quite normal to suffer. It's quite normal to have craving. It's quite normal to have a sense of uh, craving for controlling. It's quite normal to have a craving to manipulate. And like I said, it's quite normal to suffer. And so in this radical acceptance, it's like we're going beyond the just the instinctual and we're living beyond instinct into a higher happiness. These bodies, I say this so much, these bodies are set up for survival, not happiness. So radical acceptance is the way to be, move beyond survival and find that higher happiness. And so radical acceptance acknowledges that pain is non-negotiable. We will all go through pain in life. But some reason, these bodies were convinced we won't go through pain. <laughs> Just if, only if I did it that way, only if they did it that way. And the radical acceptance is like, yo, just set all that aside and allow life to be painful. It's okay. There's this equation. It says experience time resistance equals suffering. Experience time resistance equals suffering. And so radical acceptance is the invitation to set aside the the resistance and, and the suffering. So give up, take a break. Don't try to better yourself. Stop trying to better, better yourself. I feel like so often up here, I feel like I'm a demotivational speaker. <laughs> Quit, cut it out, relax. It's okay. What a wild concept. You know, uh, we come to meditation centers, not typically when it's a sunshiny rainbow day. Typically, when we're coming in here, we're bringing a lot of pain and suffering in with us. You know, there's the joke that it's like, it's gotten so bad that I'm willing to try to meditate. Right? I got real problems. I can't just take a break. I got shit to worry about. <laughs> I got pain I got to figure out. I got to solve this problem of me. There is something totally fucked with me, and I got to figure it out so I'm no longer fucked. Radical acceptance is like, we're all fucked. It's okay. <laughs> Our suffering doesn't come from unfucking ourselves. Our suffering comes from the attempt to try to unfuck ourselves. Let go. It's okay. So this is an invitation. It's an invitation to shift from 
attempting to go from being a good, well-adjusted person to shifting to attempt to become a, a loving person. A heart that's so big that it's willing to love all the experiences, the pleasure and the pain. And this does take like a, a leap of faith, but I think within this letting go, that's where the discovery begins. As Carl Rogers once said, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. And so as soon as I let go of trying to fix myself, that's when the transformation and the discovery begins. And so in the book, Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, she gives a story. It's a wild story. It's about um, airplanes, flying airplanes. Uh, I think it's the, uh, the Air Force in the 1950s. They were going up to do a mission that was like higher up than they've ever flown. And so as they were flying up to this new atmosphere, what they discovered was it wasn't the ordinary laws of aerodynamics. So things were a little bit shaky up there, not what they're used to flying in because it was so high. And so as they flew so high up there, their planes started to shake and move around and just went out of control. And the pilots would grab on their, I guess there's wheels in airplanes, right? I don't know, the fucking, the controls of the airplane, right? And they would scream and be terrified because they're losing control of their plane. And everything in them wanted to control this plane. And as they were trying to control this plane, it just went out of control. And they'd deep dive into the thicker atmosphere that they were used to and slam into the earth. So one day when a pilot went up into this other atmosphere with these new laws of aerodynamics they were not used to. They flew up there and it started getting shaky and the dude got knocked out. <laughs> so he wasn't trying to control the situation. He didn't have his hands on the steering wheel. He wasn't doing anything. And since he got knocked out, he was just accepting the experience that he was in. And as the plane went into the normal atmosphere that they were used to, he woke up and he was like, what's going on? And took control then and landed the plane successfully. And so what they discovered was when they go up into this atmosphere they're not used to and the plane starts shaking and getting out of control, when they actually let go and allow the plane to be out of control, and as it dies, and then it goes back into an atmosphere they're used to, then they can take control. And so this is like the analogy of radical acceptance. Your plane may be out of control. And so let go, allow, and then you can discover and uncover a way to navigate this. And that first step is that radically accepting. Like, yeah, things are out of control. It's okay. So, um, you know, like, I don't know if this relates, but I do want to give it on like a, you know, that's a pretty big analogy, right? Uh, but a very like personal experience that I had extremely recently. Um, things were, or still are, getting really out of control for me. And in a 21-day period, my dog died. My cat died, and one of my best friends died. Yeah, it was terrible. 
It's terrible. It was, it was so sweet too. Like my dog passed away. She was 15 years old, but also my cat, they were like best buds. They'd like take naps together. And she was 15 as well. They were both 15, like my golden girls. And when my dog died, my cat was like so heartbroken and she would look out the window uh, where my dog would come in every day from going outside. And just four days in a row, my dog, my cat looked out the window waiting for my dog to come home. And it was just so heartbreaking. I think it was too much for her and she had cancer and, and she passed. And then, uh, my wife and I were like, okay, we're in it empty home. We got to get out of here. And so we go to the place we go to grieve Disney world. (laughs) And so we went to Disney world and I'm at Disney world sitting in my hotel room. My buddy calls me. He's like, Oh, you know, Jeremiah passed away. Dude was 39. Just passed away in his sleep. Just like that. And so I instantly went back to my hometown to be with my friends And it it was very hard, right? But I was surrounded around my people. We had a memorial. And when we went to the memorial, uh, to paint the picture, um, my wife turns to me and goes, you're the most clean-cut person here. That doesn't happen very often for me. (laughs) You know, friends, face tattoos. He was a tattoo artist, so, you know, the, the big beards, all of that. And I was just around my people the whole time hugging, loving each other. I, I've never said or heard I love you as much as I did when I was around this memorial. And so while that was hard, the comfort I got from being around my people that understand me, looked like me, talked like me, knew everything about me I grew up with. And then it was like, time to leave my friends, come back to, to Nashville. And a lot of my work is from home. And I was like, oh, I'd like miss my friends so much. And then my mind started turning. My mind started going into, you don't belong here. You know, Nashville's not your place. These aren't your people. These people don't get you. All these normies here, (laughs) they don't get you. And my mind was tripping. And so it was literally today, like that, I was sitting in meditation and that thought was coming up, this old thought that arises in my experience here. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. It's that that cartoon character. I don't know what cartoon character that is, but he's not a pleasant one. And so I was sitting in meditation, and a part of me wanted to not have that thought anymore. You don't belong here. Well, I need to get rid of that thought. And uh, radical acceptance came to mind. And I was just sweet with myself. Just letting myself know, it's okay. It's okay that you don't feel like you don't belong. It's okay that you have that thought. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to miss your friends. Everything is okay. I love you just the way you are, bro. (laughs) I don't know how you talk to yourself, but I feel like I've developed that skill. And that's what radical acceptance is. Developing that skill, even the part of you that hates everything is worthy of love. And I say this so often, and this comes from Tara Brock. There's only two things in your experience. What is loved and what is longing for your love. And so radical acceptance is that willingness to love it all. The dismissiveness in my mind, the hatred in my mind. Hey, 
you can all have a seat at the table because my suffering isn't from that thought process. My suffering comes from when I want to get rid of that thought process, when I deem that thought process as morally wrong and bad and unworthy. But when I shift just like that and say, yeah, you can be here, thought, it's a whole different experience. So radical acceptance is here and now. It is available in this moment. We got time for more stories. I got all sorts of stories. You know, I start telling Dharma talks, like I'm going to give a lesson, and then I just end up telling all these different stories. So um, while I, I uh, am at this place these days of having radical compassion, radical acceptance with some of these thought processes that are quite disturbing to me, even like points in my life of like suicidal ideation, like my mind's trying to kill me. And that's the challenge. Can I still love that part of my mind that's trying to kill me? Because that's what will bring that uh, uh, ease in. Not getting rid of that thought, bringing ease towards that thought. And so throughout my life, yeah, some self-hatred arises. And this self-hatred in my mind is no longer a hindrance. It's a catalyst towards my relatability towards people. And this process in my mind, I've found meaning in it because it helps me connect with others who have the same thought processes. You know, I, I teach Buddhist meditation all over, treatment centers, jails, corporate settings. And, and one particular evening, I remember vividly, it was quite beautiful that I was teaching loving kindness meditation at a treatment center. And I'm teaching this where we bring love towards ourselves using phrases. May I be at ease, may I be at peace, may I be kind and gentle with myself, may I be filled with loving kindness. And we just say this towards ourselves. And these are people that are new to the idea of loving kindness meditation. And so after the meditation, I open it up and you know, what's that like? Tell me about it. What's your experience of doing loving kindness meditation at this treatment center I was working at? And there was one young, beautiful, intelligent young woman that said, I hate myself. And when she said that, the room erupted in like almost attacking her with compliments. <laughs> How could you hate yourself? You're so beautiful. How could you hate yourself? You're so smart. How could you hate yourself? You have your whole life ahead of you. And I saw her and she was just slumped over <laughs> in defeat. Like, I hate myself, and now I can't even love myself properly, and I have all these things, and I just suck, right? And she was defeated. And I just had to stop the barrage of compliments and just ask the room, how many of you, raise your hand, if you hate yourself from time to time, and every single person in the room goes, I hate myself. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And I just let her know, you're not alone. We all hate ourselves from time to time. That's okay. And then the room opened up saying, oh, I hate myself because I'm turning into my father. I hate myself because I relapse. I hate myself because whatever it is. And that's where that beautiful moment, when we are able to radically accept whatever's in us, it is an offering to the people around us. Because, you know, what's that namaste that they say? The light, I see the light in me, I see the light in you. What's the, what's the opposite of that? Because that's what I want. I see the shit in me. I can see the shit in you. Let's sit in the shittiness together with compassion. I love you no matter what. 
<laughs> even if you aren't light and maybe this darkness needs some love too. So thanks for humoring me there. And so I don't, I don't think I'm going to guide y'all through it because there is a formal meditation that Tara Brock offers in her book called Radical Acceptance, called RAIN. Uh, I think Michelle McDonald is the one that uh, developed this meditation, and then Tara Brock has been honing in on it uh, really well in her books, uh, Radical Acceptance and Radical Compassion. And so RAIN is an acronym, and while I do guide this in formal meditation, it is definitely a meditation I do in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, one of my teachers, Claude Anshin, says, meditation and daily life are not separate. And so while I'm going to tell you right now these instructions around meditation, the invitation is to do this here and now and keep it going as you go through your week, your months, your years. And this meditation is RAIN, the acronym for Recognize, Allow, Investigate, and Nurture. And so whatever's in your experience and even noticing now, recognizing whatever pain is present here, and now, whatever pain in the body, pain in the heart, pain in the mind. It can be something as subtle as annoyance. It can be something as extreme as, like I said, suicidal ideation, right? And we just recognize when pain is present. And it's just like, like an awesome validation. Yeah, I see you, pain. <laughs> What's up? I recognize you. And then when we recognize this painful experience, we shift to A, allow. Shift from the resistance to the allowance. Shift from the aversion to the welcoming, allowing. And I like how Tara Brock offers this with this, this phrase, yes. Yeah, yes. And whatever painful experience is in you, yeah, yes. You are here, yes. Setting aside these superficial barriers around the heart and just being like, heart, come on. Wherever way you are right now, <laughs> yeah, this is how you are. That's why we, sometimes we say that you can break the heart one or two ways. You can break the heart closed. You can throw addiction on top of it. You can throw resistance on top of it. All sorts of stuff on top of this heart, masking the heart. Or you can break the heart open. Yes, heart. Be open. And when we break the heart open, it's not only an offering to ourselves, it's offering to everyone around us. We break the heart open with a lot of empathy and understanding. And so you recognize, you allow, and then you investigate. What is this thing we call pain? Physical pain. Oh, yeah, the edges of the physical pain. The center points of the physical pain. The temperatures of the physical pain. The emotional pain investigating the emotional processes, the thoughts that go along with this, the storylines we tell ourselves, the belief systems we tell ourselves, investigating all of these things with a sense of curiosity. And then we get to the end, nurture, nurture. This nurturing love towards pain, which we call compassion. Compassion is when we bring love right towards the pain. Nurturing heart. And this is in the, the Buddha's reflection on loving kindness. He says, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart shall I cherish all beings. And so we want to be this ideal mother to our own experience. And this is a wonderful contemplation. It's like I can be the perfect mother to myself. How would I treat myself? 
What would I say to myself if I was that ideal mother to myself? What's that motherly love I can give to me? Even you dudes, you can be a mother to yourself. Would I hold myself in a certain way? Would I say something to myself? I love you. I forgive you. I'm proud of you. Would I motivate myself in a certain way? Give myself a break in a certain way? And that's the nurturing heart of compassion. Recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. All right. So before I open it up, I do want to be clear on a few things. Uh, I want to talk about what radical acceptance is not. (laughs) So radical acceptance uh, does not mean defining ourselves by our limitation. It does not uh, give us an excuse to withdraw. Uh, Radical acceptance is not self-indulgence. You know, when we want to come to a place where we radically accept things like addiction, and that doesn't mean be complacent to addiction. Saying, yeah, like my mind is totally craving a cigarette right now. We don't go to a place of radical acceptance. Yeah, my mind's craving a cigarette. I'm going to go smoke a whole pack right now. (laughs) It's getting to that place of radically accepting the craving for a cigarette so much so that you feel that craving, so much so that you notice the belief around that craving, so much so you notice the processes around this and you accept all the experiences that come along with craving in a non-reactive space. Radical acceptance does not make us passive. One more lesson. I keep on adding more to this talk. Excuse me. There is the difference. There is uh, reactivity versus responsiveness. Radical acceptance helps us set aside the reactivity. Reactivity is when we have that impulsive acting out, oftentimes from primitive parts of our brain. (laughs) It's that immediacy of, I need to get rid of this. Real quick, reacting to that. So radical acceptance helps us pause in that sense of reactivity and wait. And then when we wait and pause, we can have a response. So that's the difference between reactivity and response is rather than immediately acting out of the craving to get rid of something, you can pause and notice maybe this experience needs something. It's meeting a need and then we respond with that need. And from a technical standpoint, the reactivity comes from, like I said, like the primitive parts of our brain, like the amygdala, that isn't very good with reasoning, <laughs> isn't very an intellectual part of the brain. It's like alarm bell system of the brain. Not, not very smart. But when you pause and accept, more parts of your brain go online <laughs> and more parts that are connected to reasoning And so you actually get smarter with your responses with radical acceptance. So, hmm, feeling I'm going to be teaching about this a lot. I want to add more and more. So let's go back to these reflections before we open it up. Like I said, um, just bringing that back in, reflecting on what aspects of yourself do you feel are unworthy of your love and acceptance? Are there thoughts, feelings, or emotions that you attempt to banish, reject, or starve out? Do you assert excessive pressure to fix, manage, or control yourself or the people around you? And what painful realities are you trying to avoid? And what would it be like to radically accept all aspects of yourself? What would it be like to end the internal violence 
by simply allowing painful experiences to live? What would it be like if you could completely love yourself? I mean completely everything. Showing love for the joys and the sorrows. Showing love for the compliments and the hate in your mind. Showing love for the pleasure and the pain inside of you. What would that be like? 